Hi, this is Vishal Singh, head of data products at Starburst, and you're listening to Experiencing Data with Brian T. O'Neill. You're now Experiencing Data with Brian O'Neill. Experiencing Data explores how product managers, analytics leaders, data scientists, and executives are looking at design and user experience as a way to make their custom enterprise data products and analytics applications more useful, usable, and valuable. And now, here's your host, the founder and principal of Designing for Analytics, Brian O'Neill. Welcome back to Experiencing Data. This is Brian T. O'Neill, and today I have Vishal Singh on the line from Starburst. How are you doing? What's going on? Thank you, Brian, for having me on your podcast and your show. I'm really doing great. I'm pretty excited for our conversation during this hour. Yeah, yeah. Now, I hope we don't have to think of our audience as dummies, but you wrote a dummies book. <laughs> I'm sure most of the people know what we're talking about here. There's the, yeah. the four dummies which I guess is a Wiley brand. I didn't realize that until I saw yours, but you have uh, helped contribute to a little ebook called Data Products for Dummies. So that's why we're jumping in. Where did the uh, impetus for this book come from? Like who said, we need to have an ebook about this? Like what's the origin story? The way I see it, like the, the book was written for many, uh, talking to many customers, chatting with many customers. And data products as a concept has existed, I probably will say more than a decade, but the concept itself has picked up a lot in quite in last few years. And if, if I chat with many folks, especially my customers, my prospects, and even folks in the data industry, I come across that the definition of data products is very different. But in the end, if they ask what problem they're trying to solve, they are trying to solve exactly the same problem of collaboration, how to actually different teams can talk to each other, how can I understand the data, where the data is coming from. But then the problem somehow actually mushrooms into different definitions of data products. So that actually made Starburst to actually encourage myself and Rio and Andy, who are other two co-authors on the book, to write a book explaining what is our aspect on the data products. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to recognize it's Rio Komatsuzaki and Andrew Mott were co-authors on this. You mentioned definitions here. And so... As one of my lame hobbies, I collect definitions of data products. I, I also collect surveys about data product failures and machine learning and analytics failures in the enterprise. Those are my like my hobbies. I've kind of let that one go because I'm tired of that one. But the, the data product definition one is one that I always like. So I, anyhow, guess what my question is? I, I'm curious if you have a up to one sentence definition you can give us of a, of a data product or a a very short one. I'm, I'm curious to hear how you frame that just so listeners have an idea of when you're talking about it, what you mean when you say that. The way I see it is uh, data products is somewhat curated and reusable uh, data set, uh, which actually empowers the data consumers to actually create the insights from the data. But not just empowers, but where data consumers can continuously keep trusting the data while the data is being iterated and re-consumed uh, and re-versioned uh, again and again. So how can we expose the business context with the trust? And those are the two main pillars of data products if I shorted the version of the definition. Got it. Got it. Is this not what we sometimes hear as data as a product where we're talking about almost like a building block, a large Lego piece that gets assembled into a car at some point, but we're talking about a building block for an end solution. Is that what you're saying there, or did I not get that right? No, you're, you're right. So when I think about data as a product, I think about data as a product more of a principle of product-related principle on the data ecosystem. And you take those principles to create data a product. So it's kind of goes into the, and there has been many ways and people use those terms quite often to define each other. But the way we see data as a product is more of a principles of applying product principles on creating data set. Data product is more tangible, reusable element, which can be consumed and searched and discovered by data consumers. But is the endpoint though still that Let's assume I can find it, the one that you just made for me, I was able to find it in some catalog. Yeah. That thing that I just found is still a building block for an end-to-end -end solution that a consumer or user would use, is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. In fact, the reusable term is main components of data products because 
applying the full the principles of creating a data product, which is not being used by anybody in the organization, but myself, this defeats the purpose of, uh, you know, searchability self-service, because if I'm not going to actually put in front of another users who is not going to get benefit out of it or reuse it as a building block, then I don't, they, there's a lot of work goes creating in data product. I would like, that's, that's, that's the time we recommend to the customer that you end up using as a, as a source of data sets to create the final data product, which can be reused and consumed across the organization as a building and foundational block. Understood. And I'm super glad we had that. Like my definition is a little different. I tend to think of there has to be an end to end solution and there has to be an exchange of value. Yeah. There has to be usage of the thing. That's totally okay. I'm just, I'm glad that you have a clear definition because it helps us have a conversation here, even if it's different than, than mine, which is totally fine. I'm probably in the minority, but. Um. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> you may be right. Uh, the way I see it, like if, if you look at data product, even at the foundation element, to your point, like as like where the data is coming from, the source data set, it, those information is still valuable as a data consumer, but they may not be looking for where the data is coming from. They might be looking for, a sales data set or marketing data sets or uh, the AI framework. But then when they look at it, they might understand that there are many other aspects of data sets were used to create the data products. And that is also important to understand when I'm trying to uh, use a data product, but they, as a self-service component, they probably will never search for the raw data set. They'll probably search for the curated and the more business context, a use case of the data product. And I think just for, for listeners, you know, because I hammer on this, like, this idea of it has to be end to end and there has to be an exchange of value means someone would be willing to pay to use it or they'd be willing to give something up to use the thing. And in this case, if your customer is say a data scientist who's gonna build a model and you're, you're a data product organization with data science customers, then I think you could argue that there is an exchange of value that potentially happened. That data scientist may say, yeah, I would like give my right leg to be able to use this and not have to go engineer all this stuff myself. You could make an argument that in this little ecosystem here, that data product, your, your model of it actually fits into mine well. I tend to think of it as like, until there's an end consumer or a business user that has direct economic impact, the value really hasn't been created yet. Because in this case, your data scientist still needs to make something of value for the business or the end users of that company before economic value really would be created. Otherwise, it's we're mostly talking about funny money inside the business. But what I care about though is in, in the ebook, you're really talking about, you start to talk about the design of these, the experience of these, some product ideas. And, and that's really what I wanna get into is how you see that work happening. So for example, I think you said, under designing data products for value, you talked about capturing user feedback around user experience. And so I'm curious, how do you do this today? And how do you make sure you're getting useful information back in, in order to go and create a data product of value? Like, especially if your consumer is like a machine learning engineer or something or a data scientist, they're not actually the ones that are gonna get the benefit of that data scientist work. It's someone else that's gonna get it. Absolutely. So how do you do that research work to know how to build a successful data product in your in your definition? The way I think is the data analytics, uh, whether it's data products or not, is a message buzz for to create insights. Which means that any time uh, a data is created, is supposed should be created to give insights and value for someone else. Nobody creates someone data or data products for themselves, but they want to create the product so their consumers can get value out of it, use it, and then they can actually create another set of secondary or tertiary data product on the top of that where their consumers can get value out of it. It goes into, if we even remove the term data, just think about just a simple product. As a product manager, when we build something, we go through the priority aspect of who is asking, what is needs to be built, what is the demand in my consumers look like, what feature sets and uh, what value they're trying, what problems they're trying to solve. What is the scale of the problem they're trying to solve? Because my list of consumers could be five, or am I trying to solve for a hundred, or am I trying to solve for a million? Because that all defined goes into definition and creation of data products, which is the scale which which the data product should operate. Um, and then also when I created the data product, I had built some hypothesis that I'm expecting this data product to be used by, let's say, five people on day one and 10 people on day 20. 
can I actually understand and track those metrics and can I actually validate with my earlier hypothesis when we prioritize that data product? So those things become really important and also talking to the customer. When I say talking, in this world, it's hard to get feedback from one-on-one talking to the customer, but actually catching the feedback in one of collaborative place where you can document, where you can comment, where you can actually say this was helpful, not helpful, and also understanding the full downstream and upstream lineage to like how the data was created and how the data was being used. Because going back to the early point, once the data product is created, the value may be captured with the initial hypothesis, but how do I actually maintain and evolve the data products to capture another set of values? So evolution and also understanding how this is being used over time is also really important when the data products is being shared between consumers. So it's, it's going back to the very basic product principles, like how are my consumers using it and are they getting value out of it? And am I close to my consumers and are those consumers giving me right metrics and am I collecting the right metrics from them or not? You mentioned how they're using it, but let's step back in front of it, like before we've created something right in that discovery piece, like you mentioned, it's difficult to get one-on-one feedback. Like, I find that's like the lowest bar of research is is literally interviewing somebody and getting qualitative information. Why do you think that's difficult? I guess I'm curious. So it's not difficult when it comes to creation piece. It's very difficult when it comes to evolution piece. So what I believe is that, like, for example, in a product world, the numbers and metrics are really important, but there are also outliers. Having one-on-one feedback can lead to your outlier piece too. So there are chances that, for example, if I understand something and I understand it really well, and if I try to explain that situation to someone else, that person may or may not understand. It's possible I am the outlier because I'm on the wrong path. So it's like, who is the outlier is the biggest component of building any product piece that comes to data product, which means creating an initial feedback can come from a smaller set of groups. But once it's been built as an MVP and the, the right data product, how do I go from version one to version two to version three? And that's when the bigger set of data sets are important to actually give the right value back to my organization and also to the consumers. And that's where the one-to-one can lead to driving for a very narrow use cases and capturing the broader use cases can actually evolve data products into solving a broader use cases for a more than a one customer at the moment. But I mean, doesn't that just boil down to maybe you haven't talked to enough people? If, if you're not sure if you're reacting to, you know, a one-off situation, you know, one of the a basic guideline for, you know, doing user experience research would be, well, how many people do you have to talk to? Well, when you stop hearing the same information, you've probably talked to enough people. That's a rough guideline and yeah, you can, you can learn a lot even with a, a handful, 10, 10 people. There's no exact rule of thumb there, but you can generally learn a lot there. So what I get concerned about is running too much into the implementation phase early and then saying we're gonna iterate because what most teams don't do is they, all they do is they add more. No, no one erases and takes stuff away, they just, they just tend to add because sunk cost bias kicks in. And if one person's getting value out of it, now there's an argument to be said, well, we can't take it away because the sales team, data science team is now using that in this propensity model. So we can't get rid of that stuff. That's my only concern with with that is. <laughs> no, you're, you're right, you know. actually. This is this was saying, this was like what the initial value has to come from that to, to your point. like. The one person value, which is what it goes to point, like outlier, like, like a sunk cost can come in if we actually build the whole thing for the outlier. And there is always an outlier because there's always everyone has a very different need. But the, the point becomes like the collecting the initial sample of the data set. But the initial sample cannot be as big as the when the data is actually being used in production. What I mean by that, like we have kind of used different tools uh, when instead of just asking customers, because the one thing which I have also seen when we, the, the most of the requirements of data products come from the business owners and the business directors and the CXOs, like how it should evolve and what they're looking for. 
But the implementation side of how the data product is being used is probably going to be used by data consumers, data scientists, and they are actually going to be using it. So there are also two sets of requirements which actually we need to, like how can we sell the data products and go to market side of the get data product? And how can also make sure this is usable by the real users and who are collecting it? Those requirements, the second set of the real user requirements, does come from the the automated metrics which you can collect, like how the queries are running, how they're clicking the data set. Did they add something on the top of to evolve the data sets? And those behavioral data are also important to actually take this data product. Do we need to come up with the version two or does this data product will have an end of life and we have to rethink into how to evolve in different sets? So that is the biggest challenge when it comes to the maintaining and the lifecycle management of data product itself. Sure. Yeah. I, I appreciate that that clarification. I think one of the things I wanted to really get out of this conversation with you is what I'll call the, the zero to one phase and not the one to two phase. Yeah. You're talking about now analytics on data products to understand stuff. I think getting to something that's even usable and useful to somebody at all tends to be a challenge for a lot of teams. Yeah. So like even in your example here, like let me try to phrase this as a, as a really simple question. The business, the sales team wants to build a propensity model. They want to be able to forecast who should we call next and our giant database of leads. Who should we call next? Who's close to close, right? The model will be built by a data science team. The data scientist needs a data set to train the model and do that kind of work. So who is building the data product and are they getting their problem space defined by the data scientist or are they getting it defined by the salespeople who are going to use this like how do you handle that to make sure you don't build something that the data scientist says that they want but the data scientist doesn't really know what the problem space they don't for example they don't know what the model explainability interpretability requirements are because they were told we want to predict who to call next and they're like excellent we can totally do that and then when they ship it, the sales team doesn't use it because they don't trust it and they weren't involved with how to make it. Their actual risks, their fears were not discovered at all. So again, when we make a data product in, in your definition, whose job is it to figure out the data science requirements, the data scientist requirements and the sales team's requirements? Who does that work? I think the, the product manager, I mean, there are different names for a data product manager, data product owner. Uh, I've also seen the different definition coming of data product owner and manager, but I'm going to use both as a single definition uh, for the sake of clarity at this moment. Yeah, that's fine with me too. Yeah. So for example, data product managers, they are responsible for collecting and asking to all the stakeholders to understand the requirement. And that is the first piece of understanding whether we should be going on this path of actually creating a data product or not. And the requirements are collected, let's say, I'm gonna take example of sales, like sales and marketing, the two departments are trying to understand like how can we get more leads by the Google Analytics data coming in or by the Salesforce data and analyze and create a data product which can we can understand the projection for Q4 or Q1 or something like that. When the salespeople, they are actually thinking about, I want to actually understand the projection and understand my pipeline for Q4 so I can go target those customers and actually get more revenue for my business. That is a requirement that will may come from the sales team. When the requirements that come, the product manager responsibility is to actually understand the problem statement completely clearly and also understand like where the data sets are, where what they care about, where which ecosystem they live into it. Because they, the salespeople, if you talk to they might live in Salesforce ecosystem. If you talk to marketing, they may live, live in a different, different ecosystem. There are other folks may live in the very different cloud and different ecosystems. So that also becomes a part of when the collecting the requirements, like who is the persona we are talking to, who will be using this, this data product and what use cases. Once the, that has been collected, they actually, the team, the data product manager goes to data team and, and actually comes with like, I have these set of users who wants to use this data sets and want to actually understand the analytics on the top of that. Then the, 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 the data scientists, then the team itself, which is data team, probably have data scientists and data engineers and whatnot, and also infrastructure engineers. They come up with some basic requirements. Uh, also understand the, they explore the data, do the kind of basic exploration. Comes with the MVP data products, which 
the product manager should actually go back a continuous validation with the end user who's going to use it. Like, are we on the right track or not? Because one of the things people can make mistake is that building something all on the wrong path and then validating in the end and realizing that there is a, to your point, sunken cost of building something incorrect while at the same time never had been validated. So continuous validation with the end consumers is also needed. The last piece is also needs to understand when people think about data products, there's a lot of focus on the, um, the data itself. There's a less focus on the infrastructure which can support the data product. What I mean by that, like what if my set of users is 5, 10, 15, or 100? Like how many people are going to, what does the SLA looks like? Are they okay with the data coming early in the morning or they don't want the live data set as the data is changing? So those also becomes a part of the requirement, the persona, which means the infrastructure piece is very important into understanding what SLA is needed when the data is refreshed. And the, the, the other piece, which I'll say, like, there are many terms actually have uh, resonated right now, like data contracts and support and things like this. But what I think about is that what happens if data product goes down, which is also a part of requirements of data product needs to think about. Because as a product, every product goes down. At some time, there'll be a bug in the product. Uh, infrastructure is broken. Maybe the source data set where data is coming is stale. Things is we are still in the software, whatever goes down, which also comes into the requirements of validating with the end consumers that if things goes down, what is the expectation of how the data product should behave and how can we actually restore the trust? So those continuous requirements, the way we call it continuous product planning, happening with the with the end consumers and working with the data scientists and data team, giving them the real problem and what is what the expectation to the end users are, and the rest of the technical side of it. As a product manager, I trust my technical team to bringing them close to the end consumer and building the right product for them uh, to consume. Got it. So do, do you advocate for the data science team and the data engineering team and this infrastructure team to be wholly focused in this situation on the sales team? Or are they wholly focused on helping the data scientists get what they need to build the model? Like who's their customer and like, or who, who's the one to satisfy the most? Like which game are they playing? How do you score points? Is it with the data scientist or the, the sales team? I think sales team. So the way I think data time scientist team is the implementation side of it. So data, the way I see the data team itself contains the infrastructure team, uh, data engineering team, and data scientist team. The product manager actually is uh, who is the one who is actually communicating with the sales team and the consumer all the time on the continuous basis and bringing those requirements and actually filtering and creating the right set of requirements for the data scientists, data engineers, and the infrastructure pieces so that they can actually build the right model which can be consumed by the final the sales team. So sales team is the one who is going to get the value out of the data products. The implementation of data scientists is actually being done based on the requirements collected by product manager from what has been told by the sales team. But is that exposure, the exposure to the sales team is only through the DPM? There's no no direct exposure between sales and, and the enablement team? No, not the way I see it. The, the exposure to the, the same way when we talk to the customer, the product manager has to be involved in every conversation, but when there are technical conversation and also understanding during the implementation of those requirements, then there has to be interaction with data scientists and the sales team, because that's when the data scientists can team can come and work with the product manager and the sales team to figure out the models they are actually trying to build and explore. Does that resonate with the sales team or not? So interaction has to be there between the implementation and consumers, but the implementation also also has to make sure that the data product manager of what kind of iterative requirements that person has actually implemented is also following or we have to figure out does it need to be changed. The intent of involving data product manager at every stage because data product manager's work is does not end with just creating data products, but also how can we actually position this data product, sell this data product and market this data product. So this is why the data product manager needs to be involved in the full life cycle and implementation is one part of the life cycle of how the data product is created and consumed. You talked about self-service usability as being important as well as quote, good design. So when you were talking about that, were you talking about 
the data as a product, the data container, which the data scientist is going to use, that's the thing that needs to be easy to use and self-service usability and have good design? Or were you talking about the sales team's interface, whatever that is? It's, I don't, I don't know what the, that looks like, an application, a dashboard or something. Were you talking about that? Both, both. So here, the reason saying both, because they kind of do two sets of data products, the source data product and the consumer data product. Mm -hmm. So the data scientists may also be using the data products instead of going back to the raw data set, which is different, uh, coming from the different team. What I mean by that is that like the might be data scientist team may say that I need to create this model based on two different data sets or two different models. And in started to actually trying to figure out those models in the in any organization, they get blocked on the creation piece of data product. So what I mean by they get blocked, like they will actually have to figure out where the data lives, where the model is. And that's where the self-service component is actually really important for data scientists because there has to be primary, secondary, and tertiary data products where the data products, when they create it, can also give value to the end consumer, but can also be used to create another product on the top of it as an embedded system. So data scientists can also need to really value or uh, get the value of the uh, from the uh, from the data set itself in a self-service component. The sales teams should also actually need to understand the self-service component of the data products because if the sales team lands and also it starts demanding that, let's say, I need to understand the Q4 projection or Q1 projection, but instead of them actually starting and creating a new backlog and new tickets for the product manager and data team to actually go build it, they need to go understand that data set does it exist. Who is using this data set? Has this data set already been used in my organization? Is this data set already available in some kind of dashboard which can already use? So if that information is available to the sales team, the chances of tickets being created in product manager backlog and product manager going back to the sales team, like, by the way, the ticket you have created already exists, I'm going to guide it to you. So how can we actually change the friction of even empowering the non-technical users, like sales team will come in to actually understand what is the metadata is, what business cases can I use the data set in, which dashboard this data set is being uh, actually used for it, and how can I access those data sets? Or if I don't have access to the dashboard, who can I actually go ask in the organization so I can actually run my projection for Q4? So there's a different component of there where the non-technical users are coming and just trying to figure out that data exists or not. But then the other component, which is technical users trying to consume this data product to create a whole new set of data products, which can be consumed for a different set of consumers. Did I hear you right that it almost sounded like you're saying the sales team may want to directly access the data product containers, the the, the assets that you're talking about di directly? I guess I assume those were building blocks, but they were not complete solutions. So it's more like, here's a wiki page describing this bundle of data and its SLA and its stuff. But like to a salesperson, that doesn't give me the answer who to call. That is a foundational piece to it, but it's not a, it's not a solution or, or is it? Maybe I, I misunderstood. So with, with Starburst, we, you can do both. That's, that's where maybe uh, the difference comes to. So we, when you create the wiki page documentation of data products within the Starburst, not only you can understand the business uh, use case of this data product, uh, complete information, but also some basic ways of like, if I want, like basic queries we can write, events like also a link to a, like a Tableau dashboard or Power BI dashboard right there. So what the sales team may be looking for, they may not be writing the queries, but they may be actually going to like, is this data product already being used in some downstream uh, dashboards? Can I actually go access and use and see that it's a, can, this is useful for my use case? So those information can actually be packaged in a single way where not only I can actually see the raw data sets if the user have access to it because governance layer is important for it, but also can this data has already been used to create some different dashboards, which can be useful already for me instead of actually going back. So both it can be packaged with a Starburst data product as a single entity, uh, which can be consumed by sales team. I see. So around this topic of good design and making things user-friendly and all of this, how do you measure or how is the DPM, I guess it's their job, how are they supposed to measure whether the design of the solution for, say, this fictitious sales team example we're talking about, how do they measure that it was good or user-friendly? <laughs> That's a really hard question to measure the user feedback, and this is where the metrics come in. I mean, I'm going to give my answer, which is my own opinion, into how, what is the right approach to do it. Uh, the approach is like how many 
what is the increasing number of traffic of the users we are tracking on the data product? Are they increasing or decreasing? That's a basic number. If the same person actually, we've seen the drop in the user coming on the data product when they actually come and uses it, there's a chance that either the, the way the data product is created is incorrect, it's not solving the right use cases, or the somehow they actually design on the data product itself is so convoluted or confusing that they're not getting the value out of it. So that's a basic first way to understanding of when the user land on the data product, how many times they're coming back. The second piece, which I also uh, think about is that if the sales team is actually using the data product or whatnot, are they, those are being used in any kind of sales dashboard? Are they using Salesforce or not? Like how many times does data product is actually being consumed with the year use cases on which the data team were actually initially try to make the use cases? So those things becomes really important uh, when understanding the design of it. Design also starts with first thing, which I see the business context which means that nobody comes and look for the columns, models, uh, you know, the raw value of the data set. They actually look for the, what is the business context? And second thing as a user, they actually look for is like, where else is being this data product is being used? And exposing that information, uh, this is a basic principle is that like, now I actually get the trust that I am not going to be the first few person going to be using this data product that has been already been used in many different use cases that I'm going to use and extending into the use case I want to evolve the data product. So uh, those things matters a lot. But as I said, the first basic piece which i look for is the number of user traffic is it growing or increasing or same user is it kind of, when the user comes back to the data product does that user is coming back or is it a drop in the user over some time got it i guess the only thing i'd wonder about there is that we can make the assumption that zero usage means something is probably really wrong or there's a discoverability problem they don't know it's there or they know it's there and they don't care but as soon as you get to some usage, how do you know that that usage is goal time and not tool time? And so then this is Jared Spool's framing, which is I'm here using this data product and I'm actually getting the value out of it versus I'm here futzing with it, trying to get it to do what I need. I'm trying to get the, the information out of it and I can't. And I got to come back every single week to do this because the thing won't email me an alert, which is really what I want. So I come back every week. And if you look at analytics, it doesn't tell you why. It just tells you that there's a lot, whatever a lot is, there's more, but it doesn't tell you if that's goal time. It doesn't tell you why they're there. So is there no qualitative piece there to understand whether or not the usage that's happening is actually goal time, that that value is being created as opposed to frustration? It's more of a tax that someone has to come back. How do you separate that? Or I don't, do you think about that at all or? We do. Uh, I don't. I don't have the perfect answer in this moment. How can we? Because the that's when the analytics actually differs from the any different product. Mm -hmm. Because you know any different product, you can you can actually count the uh, dead clicks, multiple clicks, frustration, frustrative click. The data product is all actually how am I getting consumed from a different users, different tools. The way we have done is that we have actually embedded a way to comment and give the feedback once you're running, which can be exposed directly to the manager. So sometimes actually exposing even the users that what was your experience in the context of the data product itself allows the data product manager or the data team to understand what the user has given feedback. So that's where the feedback cycle in the data product becomes really important. And that's where the the written feedback, they can write a comment, they can say, this was helpful. Even so like, I tried to use this data product over last two's data set did not work. The few things which we are thinking, even actually putting the red, yellow, green light on the data product saying that this is actually not going to work for the use case that I've been solved. And the business context, which I've been adding in data products seems misleading. And those kind of feedback can only come to the point by directly understanding the frustration of our users in the plain English, which is they can provide the feedback or they can reach out to the product manager directly saying that this did not satisfy the requirements initially I was going to use a data product for. Got it. It sounds like you advocate or, or rely a lot on self-reported feedback coming from the yeah. end users of these solutions, the sales team complaints or comments. You're relying on written or self-generated. Self Is that correct? 
Absolutely. In fact, in future, the this is the plan which is not does not exist in the Starburst product at this moment. But an ability to see that how many support tickets were created, who was created support tickets, the ability to actually even attach those to the uh, existing data products. Because every as a product, a data product will also have problems. How do we actually understand and solving those problems with the right resolution time is also an, an an a metric on data product. So even exposing and understanding that how many support tickets are coming in what kind of support tickets are coming in, what kind of feedback are coming in, taking those principles and putting on the context of data products, we can understand whether this data product is solving the right problem or is it creating more frustration or is it creating more support issues and is not valuable for the end consumers. In terms of trying to get it right earlier in the process, am I correct in your guidebook that when we talk about design and usability and utility and self-serviceability and all these kinds of things, that the product manager is the primary person that's doing that work as opposed to a designer or an engineer or anything like that. Like I didn't see designer mentioned, but there's a lot of focus on these value attributes from the perspective of a non-technical user, which I think is great. But I'm like, how do they do, like who does that work of designing it to make it usable and ensuring that stuff in, in your universe of people that are involved like whose role is that to do that i think the designer in the my context when talking to my customers the two piece of design so we the design actually implements around the full experience of that marketplace or the self-service component of data product which is not itself related to one data product but actually related to all the data products across every ecosystem I can see it. Mm -hmm. That's actually a different level where the designer has to come in because the designer actually makes sure the experience of searching any data products across different domains, different use cases, different categories should be very easy and, uh, and useful. That's where the self-service component comes in. So the platform, and this is where we talk also about in the, in the system, in the book is about not just data product, but data products platform. The designers are really important to actually create that data products platform and data product ecosystem where all the data products can be easily uh, searched and consumed. The data product managers becomes important for every single entity of the data products in that ecosystem which means that they are actually following the design pattern which has already been created by the designer into how this should look, how it should be consumed, and how the flow should work. And they are using that pattern to create the building blocks of different data products in a single place in a self-service manner and also coming up like what kind of data products should be created in order to uh, satisfy the business requirements. If I'm hearing that right, you're saying if you have a designer involved, they should be focused on the platform itself and not particular instances or what maybe we call them projects yeah like the sales team propensity model example we keep coming back to yeah that's not where you would put that you would put it on some ecosystem thing but does that mean then you're saying putting design on the solution that mostly will be used by the data scientists and analysts is where the value is it's not put it where the business non-technical users are on the instances, is that what you're saying? or are... No, so I'm saying it in a very different way. So I'm saying is that the, the platform design is more important because the sales team, and taking back to example, sales team may request six different data products, which means an experience of one could be Q4 projection, one could be churn risk, uh, something else and whatnot. The point becomes the experience of any data product for sales team or marketing team should be very consistent so they can actually understand how to, if I actually have learned to figure, like, you know, how this data product and ecosystem should work, I do not have to relearn again when a new data product comes. And there's a piece, the experience of understanding the data product one to data product two should be very consistent just because that will actually drive the users, end users to actually find new set of data sets, which may, they may not be thinking in the self-service component piece. They actually may be thinking about just Q4 that they find it related to children risk projects too. And they might combine to come up with a whole new analysis, which was not there on their mind. So having building that platform experience of almost every data products should have the similar user experience actually will enable more and more consumers to, to go and find uh, the more data products and search and consume data products. But the entity 
But going back, like the baseline design when it's created, let's say by the user experience with data products should contain sample queries, business context, who is using data sets and whatnot. Once the whole template of design has been created by the designer team, and this is what the data product should look like. As the data team, when they are publishing that data product, when they are publishing that wiki page, they can choose which one is valuable for this piece and may skip or add based on what the user is looking for. So the, in my opinion, the designer are the Uber umbrella of actually maintaining not one, but actually creating a standard for every data product being used and like a design pattern for the data product, while the data product itself going to follow the design pattern with the designer have actually created. And I don't believe the designer has to be involved on every data product being created in the organization. Isn't it possible though to, I mean, this is kind of like this, like right now in the design world, we talk a lot about design systems, which are all about enabling reuse. It's almost kind of like data products, right? Like don't build another wizard component because we already have one of those elsewhere. Use the standard, use the regular kind when possible. And, and what happens is I think you can actually get to a point where everything is trying to sh be shoveled into these, these components and we stop using our heads, you know, we stop using our heads and it's possible to create an, a very extensive design system that doesn't necessarily have any instances that are providing value. The design instances, the actual products and experiences aren't cobbled together in a way that any value is created. Now that that's an extreme statement and I'm not saying that happens regularly, but I, I guess I'm kind of like, how do you, how do you guarantee that? Here's what I think I'm saying. In order to come up with a standardization, you need to know what's working. Yeah, agree. And the only way to know what's working is to know that the instances or the projects or whatever we call them, like the sales team instance, that there was some successful delivery there and that we learned something about how does the sales team want, if at all, to go search for and use these data products or do they only want the end solution? I, I don't, I mean, even just that question right there, does the sales team really want to go look at this catalog? Is that actually something that they find value in doing or is that a tax, which is we don't really want to be in here, but we have to be in here because we don't know how to get the stuff we need and, or it doesn't exist yet. It's like even if it's a tax or a benefit, like answering that seems to be something you would need to have in place before you'd want to replicate a design over and over as a standard over and over again. I guess that's where I'm trying. I, I can't get my head around that. No, no it's, it's a very valid question. And then I think the question goes back to the, if I rephrase the question, and please let me, Brian, if I'm incorrect. If, I, if the, the platform itself is following the wrong design pattern, I mean, which means that there's a chances of creating something which may not give value. And how do we actually bring the designer to actually make sure that data product being created, they're also getting feedback of the user experience of complete platform where the data product can be consumed. So when I think like that, I mean, it is really, really good question because what happens is that if there's some sales team, and I'm going to take an example of two different sales team may actually look for categories and different tags and different ways to actually find the data product. Or they just care, they may not even care about the data set. They may care about the, the dashboards where they can be used because they actually just want to look at the visualize the data and able to use the data into uh, also understand the data. They may not be writing queries, but then the same data product which comes to the data set, they, they data consumer, they might be sort of creating a new dashboard and attaching that to the same data product so they can empower the different use cases for the data product. So the design team, and then this goes back to like, if I have like a 20 data products in the organization, that may have like five DPMs driving them based on different use cases, mm -hmm. which means that the five DPMs do not have to work with the every different designer. The design pattern of the five DPM should be very consistent with the design umbrella, which has been defined for the ecosystem of delivering data products. And that's where the, I believe the DPMs are more responsible for the actual component of the data set and the models and which we can be delivered, where the designers are actually working with all the five of them because the use case of data products manager one could be very different data products manager two. But when they are landing into self-service component of able to search the data set, data products, the models, the use flow should be not be different from one to two. And that's what designer come actually talking to the many data products. They are not linked to the one team, but they are the Uber umbrella where actually creating that piece of usability where it can be consumed by different folks. The other piece going back to the sales team to your point, 
they may not be consuming the data directly, but they may still search the data product where the designer are like not within the Starburst platform, for example, but also looking Tableau because Tableau also have the some kind of ways to understand the data that exist and have the business context. And they may also there might be other tools, Power BI, Looker, whatnot. How can we also like the design of the ecosystem of Starburst also compatible with design of how the tools of the choice of the sales team and able to work with those tools who becomes also important. And that's what designer come into. So like, how do we make sure the experience of Starburst is also being transmitted with the experience of Tableau, which we don't have a control, but able to work with that experience to expose the self-service component, even with the tools of their choice. I totally agree with the idea that the way I frame this with, when I talk to product people and sometimes design teams is like, we want to get rid of arbitrary differences between things that are a collection of similar things. So if there's 10 data products, where is there unnecessary differentiation between them that we want to remove? Cause it's, it's noise in the experience. So having a consistent layout of the wiki page or a consistent way to understand like, well, what are all the source data sets that went into this data product or this model that's an off the shelf thing that can be used in a bunch of different charts, you'd have consistency there primarily to just get rid of noise and, and not have to relearn. But it's to me where the thing that I'm always curious about is like, you can still do all of that consistentizing work and getting rid of the noise and making patterns. But did the sales team feel empowered to call the right people is still to me, like if that's the baseball game, that's the way you score a run. Absolutely. There's no other, like, everything else is counting stats, like how many strikes were thrown, how many errors, how many bunts there were great, but like did a point get scored <laughs> is ultimately like kind of what we want to track to. And I'm always curious how to teams, no matter what they call these data products, how they define them. Are they keeping score that way? And if so, how are they interfacing with end users and doing all that? And that, that's anyhow, I'm, there's not really a question in there. That was more just me thinking out loud and kind of expressing the arc of this conversation is, is really that getting the humans in a loop involved in the creation, getting empathy between the makers and the users to me is is critical. Otherwise, it's like you could just build a giant catalog of stuff that doesn't make any difference. And I feel like that's still happening a lot where where's the value where's the promise then it was ai where's the promise now everyone's past <laughs> the rush it's like the hype is over yeah. when are we going to see something of value here and it needs to come down to something simple as like the sales team feels like they're kicking ass and they have proof of that now because they feel empowered to have this this thing this agent next to them that they never had before i have a secret weapon that no one else has our close rates are higher and we feel like the data is doing it it's a very human and yes, you can quantify all that stuff numerically, but it's also the human part of the team feeling like I have this special power in my pocket that I didn't before. To me, that's like what we're going for. I don't know if you agree, but like. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I mean, one thing we did talk in the book about total cost of ownership of the data product, but one thing we did debate a lot, the total cost of ownership just tells you how much cost it costs to the business to own the data or create the data. But the, what is the value of the data product, which is also, which is what you're touching about it. Like if I spend a dollar to create data product, did I actually get the dollar back? Did I create 20, get the 50 cents back? Or did I get a $10 back? Because the, that is what the business care about it. To your point, if I actually created the most complex and most amazing data product and spent some dollar amount and, and it did not come back any value to the business, which means it's actually, we lost the money there. But sometimes that piece is more important and that comes from the consumer and something which is where when i talk about downstream impact of the data products becomes really important but there could be point like you know how do we understand downstream is actually also being used and how who is using it downstream but the the question like how many times that the data products has been used in downstream and second how reusable this data product is which means that I'm not going to reuse the same thing again and again if the data product is not providing me value. So, so reusability is really important. The things which we struggle, and I don't have like, how do I actually capture that value piece? Not the ownership, but the value piece of data products. Right now, we talk about value piece, a number of users uh, using it, number of downstream impact, number of usability. But the biggest value piece in the end comes to the dollar and insight. How the, is the company making value, making business 
out of the data product which was created for the company. That dollar amount, I, I again, to be honest, I don't know how do we capture it, but that is something I believe once we capture it, and once any anyone who gets to capture that, that is the the real metrics which any business or CXOs care about it. Well, I, if I can put a plug in for a past guest and episode, if you go back to episode 80, it's called How to Measure the Impact of Data Products with Doug Hubbard. So Doug wrote a great book called How to Measure Anything. Yeah. It's a very good read. And I think it provides a lot of guidelines on how to take these things that feel immeasurable. We were talking about like decision support, like when you can't see the decisions and count them necessarily, there are ways to do this but there's both art and science that, that goes into doing that kind of work. And it's not easy necessarily, but there are ways to do it. So check that out. Vishal, it's been so great to talk to you. Thanks for coming, Han, experiencing data to talk about this. Uh, the book's called Data Products for Dummies, Starburst Special Edition by Vishal Singh, Rio Komatsuzaki, and Andrew Mott. That's available at, on the Starburst web. If you just Google, I think Starburst Data Products for Dummies, you'll, you'll find a link to that. You have some stuff coming up, some summits or something, right? What's going on in your world before we, we wrap up here? Yeah, so for example, Starburst, uh, we are the uh, company based on the open source Trino, uh, which was uh, previously known as Presto. So we, we have a Trino summit coming out, which is completely open source, run by Trino Foundation. It's somewhere in December. So yeah, I'd love to people to check it out. Search for Trino Summit 2023. Uh, you'll get the link on the Trino uh, website. Uh, feel free to join. Feel free to actually check that out. Also check out our Galaxy platform, which is where if you want to learn what the data products look like it, you can also actually download uh, or sign up for the our Galaxy platform with a $500 free credit to actually play around what Trino is as I'm talking about Trino Summit and what how actually data products with the Trino context or Starburst context is created. Excellent, excellent. One more summit is coming, which is called the Data Nova. We actually do this yearly uh, summit every year. It has been always virtually. Uh, next year, we're finally doing the Data Nova Summit in person in New York in April. So we are very excited about it. We have actually had the great speakers over the last uh, few years. Check it out. Uh, the uh, speakers from the Sanjeev and other folks. Uh, we have Apple and other companies talking around those summits too. So great sessions in the previous summits. We are very excited to take this summit in person in New York City uh, next year in April. How do you spell that? Just could you spell that Data Nova? Yeah, D-A-T-A-N-O-V-A, Data Nova. Oh, Nova. Okay, yeah. Data Nova. Okay, yeah. e excellent. And and what was the other event called again? Trino Summit. Trino Summit. Okay, excellent. Cool. Vishal, where can people get in touch with you? LinkedIn, Twitter? Do you hang out anywhere that people can uh, stay in touch? I'm all like LinkedIn, Twitter is the best place. We, there's a lot of, we do a Trino meetups in Boston area. So if they, if you actually think about Trino meetups, uh, uh, I'm always there. It's always happens in our uh, company. Uh, so we have always in the Boston downtown area when I go to the office. So shoot me an email, shoot me a LinkedIn message. I'm, I'm always looking forward to meeting new people and learning from where this data product evolution is going. As I said, like if I chat about data products in, in a year, I might come up with like some other components of definition which we have not yet figured it out <laughs> excellent well thanks again for coming on the show and, and good to know you're local here where i guess we're both boston based I, I forgot about that so that's that's great maybe we'll cross paths in person so thank you again it's been great having you on experiencing data thank you brian appreciate it we hope you enjoyed this episode of experiencing data with brian o'neill if you did enjoy it please consider sharing it with the hashtag experiencing data to get future podcast updates or to subscribe to Brian's mailing list, where he shares his insights on designing valuable enterprise data products and applications, visit designingforanalytics.com slash podcast.